Welcome to People's Church radio program. If you find this broadcast to be helpful, please let us know. You can call us at 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com. Well, this has been a series just about Jesus Christ. And we have focused on it for three weeks. This will be our fourth week. And uh, where we want to go today is to kind of complete the picture for us. You know, uh, I don't know about you, but when I read a book, I'm often tempted to get to the last chapter and read it and figure out what happened. Right. And then when I, then it's going to ruin, of course, everything that came before. But there's always a lot more curiosity around the wrap up of a book. It's not just the truth of it, and it is around Christ too, and the wrap-up of the revelation of who he is. We're going to be talking about that fuller revelation today. We're going to talk about the return of the king, the King Jesus that we introduced you to three weeks ago or four weeks ago, and that he always has been, but he had humbled himself to come amongst us, live amongst us, be our sacrificial lamb, and then resurrect, having paid for the sins of all men, and call all men and women to repentance so that they might receive the free gift of everlasting life. That has been the work of Jesus to this point, but it is nowhere near done. There was one big final chapter to happen. It's a chapter that we already know is pre-written. We know how things finish up. We're going to be spending our time in the book of Revelation today, and uh, the book is simply entitled The Revelation of Jesus Christ. This whole book is often used in ways that is, I will say this, shameful. It's shameful because it's used to try and figure out some things that God himself has said, hey, you're not going to know these things. This is not for you to know, as a matter of fact. What your focus has to be is on what the book says. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. This book is written to reveal the fullness of who he is. It's answering the question, who? Not what, not when, not where, not why. It is who. Jesus Christ is... uh, Somebody that often is left in a manger, in almost this vulnerable position and weakness that is uh, perpetuated sometimes in the way that we tell that story and we don't put the power into it that needs to be there. The power is who, who that was in that manger. And today we want to fully express that as the scriptures have unpacked that for us. And so we want to talk about the returning king. We had talked about he was born a king, the the very first one of this series. That he has always been. He's the ancient of days. He has come. He didn't begin his existence in Bethlehem. In fact, uh, Bethlehem was just God coming to us in the flesh. We know that Christ is the creator, that Through him all things have been created. All things are sustained and kept by him. We have learned about Jesus being then our lamb. And that lamb's work is complete. The blood is the only way to satiate 
justice in the eternal courts of heaven. And it's not your blood or my blood, it's the blood of the Lamb of God. That is Jesus Christ. And once that court has had that justice satiated, now grace is offered. It's a wonderful thing. And you know, often you cannot understand the first advent without understanding the second advent, which we're about to go into. But you and I are in a time of grace right now. We're in a time when the call is still echoing around the world into the hearts of men and women, calling them to repentance in Jesus Christ. And in that repentance, they can receive the great gift of salvation, saved from sins, saved from the penalty of their sins because of what Jesus Christ has done. And so now that leaves us where? With a returning king. Jesus himself promising on many different occasions and even within the parables that he told this return that would happen. Uh, he tells a story about this man that goes away, the ruler goes away, the master, and he leaves this with some servants and then he's going to return and hold them to account. And we have all kinds of these stories that live in the New Testament scriptures. This is the plan of God. And any understanding of Jesus Christ must complete the picture of knowing who he really is. Now, we're going to start right in the book of Revelation in chapter 1. And uh, I'm going to pick it up in verse 7. And it says, look, he is coming with the clouds. And every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. And then this statement from him. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God. This is Jesus talking. Who is and who was and who is, is to come, the Almighty. Again, we are, are brought to confront that this is fully God. Jesus has no less, um, he has no less of God in him than the Father or the Holy Spirit. They are God. There's beautiful trinity or triunity that they live in. And so Jesus Christ is as much the Almighty as the other. The idea here is that he is returning though. Let's break down that first phrase a little bit. Look, he is coming with the clouds. This is really important for us to understand. This is not some just spiritual kind of experience or return. It's not him returning in some spirit form uh, without it being definable. When Jesus left, we, he said, I'm going to return in the same way that you see me leaving here. And how did he leave? There he's on Mount Olivet. And he leaves physically and ascends after commissioning his disciples to take the gospel to the world. And as he ascends, they watch him go up with their eyes. It's in the same way with the same eyes that his return will happen. This is something that the church universal for the ages has looked to. 
Look, he is coming with the clouds. We're talking about a physical return in the same way that the resurrection of Jesus Christ was the physical resurrection of his body and then the transformation of that body into that eternal representation of the body that you also as a believer in Jesus Christ will receive one day. He is coming with the clouds, more or less. He's entering into the physical creation again, physically returning to us. And then it says, and every eye will see him. At the second coming, there will be no doubt who this is. Every eye, no matter where it's located in this planet, will see him. There will be a catching up. There will be a resurrection. There will be that all eyes will see the return of Jesus Christ. The advent to come. We just celebrated the first advent. The second advent is one that every eye will behold. But not every heart will rejoice. Not every heart is going to be filled with the joy of that advent. Let's read further. Even those who pierced him. He's saying, if you, you know, were even a part of that original piercing, you're going to see his return. You know, I mean, you know, Pilate's going to see the return of Jesus Christ. Those that pierced his side will see the return of Jesus Christ. Those that spat upon him and mocked him will see this king return. They will observe this happen. But there's also in you and I through the years where maybe you have not been so consistent in the faith that you've engaged and you've not maybe embraced it to the degree that you would say, I have walked this and I celebrated it. Maybe you've gotten lazy. You can be also the one that things where you have pierced him in this regards, Christian. You're going to see this return. And you don't want to have in your heart, oh, why? You want your life to be lived circumspectly. So much of the New Testament teaching of the apostles went to the choices and the life in which we live as believers. One that lifts up Christ and adores him by the choices, the actions, by the stewardship, the surrender of our lives on this daily basis. Jesus said, I want you to take up your cross daily now and follow me. Jesus is saying, every day counts for you, believer. Every moment counts for you. There will be a day when this whole thing ends. There's going to be a second advent, a return, and it's all going to wind up. On that moment, when you have lived your faith through difficult times, and when you have gone, gotten off track, you repented and you get back on and you trust God's grace and you just get your feet moving again. You persevered, you endured, you didn't get buried uh, by a hard heart during your journey. You didn't get buried by other peoples around you or pleasing people in this world. Rather, you put Christ and his kingdom first. When that king fully returns, you look forward to it. In these stories that Jesus talked about so much, the master leaving and then returning, we find one had such a dread of his return. He, did, he had such a dread of it that he went and buried this thing. The other two looked expectantly. They were waiting because they had taken what he had given them and done something with it. Is your life piercing 
Christ? Or is it going to have a heart that's fully engaged in celebrating when your eye beholds his return? Will it be in celebration of that return? Even those who pierced him and all the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. Interesting. This, you would think, oh, you know, all, yeah, it's just all right now. Everybody be happy. Jesus has returned. He's going to set everything right now. No, no. This is the window right now. Grace. You get your life in line with him now because on his return, you can't get your life in line. That's when the ultimate truth will be expressed when every eye beholds him and all peoples of the world will see him and they will know the truth and they will also know and have the revelation of what they have lived as lies. It's at that moment, it's over. See, grace is now. Grace is the first advent the, and, then, and then the payment plan that Jesus paid for us and now we stand in this time. But the moment that we see him next, he's saying there's gonna be a great mourning in all of the peoples of the world because they did not take advantage of the grace of God. They did not receive Christ as their savior. They don't stand with the blood payment upon the books in the Lamb's book of life. They stand with their own sins before a holy God and they never took the payment of Jesus. So now when Jesus comes in the second advent, it's not that then, oh, well now I will change and now I will make my decision. No, no, you're done. The Bible tells us today is the day of salvation. That means it's not tomorrow. That means it's today. In this moment, this is the time. Because there will be this culmination moment. The returning king shall return. There will be mourning. Mourning is something, this is also, this word is, is a very strong mourning. It's not like sort of this idea of uh, uh, feel bad. We're talking about a morning. I don't know if you've ever watched the, uh, in, in the Eastern cultures, uh, when you see the morning of uh, the Eastern uh, women, they are in black and they are just, it's loud wailing. I mean, the expression is full. And that's what this is talking about. It's a, oh no. You know, if it's first coming, if it does not give you eternal life because you didn't receive it, his second coming will not give you that eternal life. If his first coming hasn't brought you into relationship with God, his second coming will not. It will confirm your disconnection from God. Eternally so. The second coming is the finish. It's over for this period of salvation and grace. That's the time we stand in now. They will see him come to judge them. And they will remember that he once stood at their door with mercy in his hands. And that he with the marks of the nails there and with the marks upon his body of his crucifixion had stood and offered and knocked and said, open the door and I'm going to come in and I will fellowship with you. I'm quoting another scripture in Revelation there. 
He's, that day is now. That day, though, of that great morning, that is closed. No more is it open to me. No more is it let me in. That day comes to a close. They had refused his blood. They've refused his righteousness. They've trifled with his sacred name. And now there will be an accounting that they are left alone before a holy God. The return of the king. It's not so much he comes back with anger. That's not it. He comes back to finish. He comes back to say, choices are made. My work is done. It's over. And that's what the moment of the return is all about. And that's why he re-emphasizes this in the next verse where I am the Alpha and the Omega. And the omega. He's saying I'm the beginning. I am the end. The end. That moment in time when history ceases and eternity is fully embraced and engaged. For the believer, this is a moment of great celebration. It's a moment that we look forward into the, into the eternity of God that has been gifted to us. For those without Christ, it is the end. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the ending, says the Lord God, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. Saying it's all contained in me. Here, let me introduce you to some more scriptures on him from the book of Revelation to reveal who this Jesus is. Let's go to Revelation 19 and verse 11. John, who is the one that received this vision on the Isle of Patmos, he had been excommunicated to this isle by the Romans because uh, of his influence. And so they put him on a, an island, and he's about 90 years old when he's getting this revelation, okay? He's really an old guy right now. He's the longest lasting apostle. And so here he gets this revelation and he's writing it down. But John is the same one that was called by the Lord away from the fishing nets also. And that he had such an intimate relationship with him. He was one of the three that Jesus always took. Peter, James, and John. He took him to the Mount of Transfiguration. John had been the one at the Last Supper that laid his head on the Lord's chest. And just this intimate connection. Um, he even refers to himself with this way in describing him. He doesn't name it. He just says, to the one that the Lord loved. You know, It was that they really had this very strong and intimate connection. This was John. John, who gets this revelation. And now he's getting a revelation to him. He is seeing Jesus. The Jesus that had uh, been spat upon. He saw Jesus, the one who had to walk between, you know, places. Uh, he saw Jesus. Yes, he got the window of walking on the water. Yes, he got the window of the healings and the miracles. But he saw Jesus in his full-on humanity. But now he's seeing Jesus in his full-on Godhood. 
And he writes this as he sees this. And for him, this is a revelation. And he says, I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True, another title of Jesus. With justice, he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire and on his head are many crowns. More or less, he has all dominion. There's no dominion that he does not have dominion over. This is why it's so crazy that we hold out on God with hard hearts or arrogance. It's unbelievable that we would even think about that kind of position before an almighty God like this. His is the only dominion. On his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood. And his name is the Word of God. With that in mind, remember what we read at the candle lighting? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And here we find it again. His name is the Word of God. The armies of heaven were following him riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Who is this? The saints, you. Ones that have received Christ, that have been blood washed, washed by the blood of the Lamb. Some of the old hymns, you know, uh, maybe their music is a little archaic, but their message is not. Their message is true to form. There's one that's called the Fountain of Emmanuel, being dipped and washed literally in the blood of the Lamb. It's the only thing that makes us spotless and white. Isaiah tells us this, that you can be made white as snow by the blood of the Lamb of God. And here we have Jesus. Uh, he's on this white horse. His eyes are like a blazing fire and his head has all of the crowns and he's coming with justice and he's judging and he's gonna make war. He's gonna finish off all of the enemies to his kingdom. All other kingdoms will be destroyed. And his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. The sharp sword, of the, that just means, again, he's the word. It's the word of God. It is the sword of God, double-edged sword. It can cut asunder even between the, the soul and the spirit. It is the truth of God. He speaks the truth, and that truth is going to strike down the nations because the nations have been built on lies and perpetuated lies. And he's going to say, this kind of stuff is over. There will be only one kingdom. There will only be one nation. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. Whew. What do we see? What? This is Jesus? This is Jesus, the infant? This is Jesus who came as an infant. Do you understand now how powerful the first advent is? Sometimes you can't really catch how powerful the first coming of Jesus is unless you understand the second. Who is this? 
And yet he comes to you and I as a babe in a manger in the greatest of humbleness that he might serve us, that he might save us. Like we use that scripture on Christmas Eve, he came to seek and to save the lost. Can you imagine that if we get who he really is, how powerful that night was when the angels are saying glory to God in the highest. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. Judgment. Here's an old, old message from, oh, this would be like 230 or 40 years ago. This one would have been preached. And uh, the preacher basically called it, uh, you know, like, how did that exactly go? It, 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 was, it was this idea that, that you don't want to fall into the hands of this angry God. He's stating there's a time where God's wrath is going to be poured out. Now, here's the great news. The cross took the wrath of God. And that's why you and I, if we place our faith in Christ, are rescued from that wrath. But if we do not... We have no rescue plan. There is no reason for your justice not to be served upon you because you've refused the one who took your payment and he will become the judge then and he will be the only one qualified to be the judge because he is the one that gave his life for you and you, if you have not, receive that, if you are refusing that, then you are placing yourself outside of his work and that leaves you before him in a naked state with no covering. It says on his robe and on his thigh he has this name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Again, just this ultimate dominion. There's nobody above me. I'm the king of kings. I'm the Lord of lords. That's why when we bowed our knee, it's saying one day, Philippians brings it up, that one day every knee's going to bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You're either doing that now or you will do it later, but every knee will bow. Every knee will acknowledge he is king of kings. He is Lord of lords. One day that will be fully exposed. Let's go to another portion within Revelation and talk about the very final chapter of this particular book, which is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And now we go to chapter 22 and verse 7. And we read this. Behold, I am coming soon. It's the same wording as the first verse we read. Look, he is coming with the clouds. Behold, he is coming. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy in this book. What are the words of the prophecy? The words of the prophecy reveal who Jesus is. 
And it reveals that he's the alpha, the beginning, and that he's the omega, that he's the end. That he's either going to be your savior or he is going to be your judge. He will fulfill one of those two roles. You are determining that role. So as a Christian, if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, you've chosen his role. He's my savior. He's my Lord. He's already my king. Now you live like this. That's what directs your life. This revelation of Jesus Christ. Behold, I am coming soon, he says again. And 22 verse 12 my reward is with me and I will give to everyone according to what he has done you find this repeated over and over again what is the main point that he is saying in this particular instance first off he's just reaffirming I am coming soon my reward is with me He's saying, I want to come and reward you. Heed the warnings. I want to be your rewarder. Heed, heed, heed the truth because one day it will be the only truth left and all other lies will be exposed. Heed the truth. My reward is with me and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. And if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ, he's going to reward you for that. And then what have you done with your life? He will reward you with that. Wonderful package of rewards that he's coming with. Same way that he has told the story where those that went out and doubled what he gave them. He said, oh, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Come to the party. Jesus. Not just left as a babe. Understand who he is. That's what the whole book of Revelation is about. Who he is. And he goes on and he says, And I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. Again, he's going back to I'm the beginning and I'm the end. The first and the last. The beginning and the end. We don't like that word, the end. There's a lot of crazy beliefs at times that have really come out. Here's some of the crazy beliefs. Are you ready? There's a lot of beliefs that say, well, you know, it's in the end, everybody gets there. Not according to Jesus' own words. He's coming and he's going to trample out the wrath of God. He will be the judge. We stand in the time of grace now. Decisions are made now. The beginning and then the end. But there will be an end, a period to this time and eternity will be the only embrace left. And then he says in verse 14, 
Blessed are those who wash their robes. It's very, very simple. If you've been washed in the blood of the Lamb, if your name is in the Lamb's book of life, if your sins are fully forgiven, gone by the work of the blood of Christ, and you've had those new washed robes, then frankly, you just do this, that they may have the right to the tree of life, eternal life, and may go through the gates into the city, the eternal abode. This is all physical, folks. Then he says this. This is the stuff that nobody likes to preach. It doesn't motivate you to get up there and tell people, here's the other condition that you can arrive in at this end moment of all time. You can arrive at a moment in this condition. And that's why there will be great mourning. So first, blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Hold it, hold it. Haven't all of us kind of done that kind of stuff too? Yeah, but no, no, you see, you're missing it. Blessed are those who wash their robes. You see, that's what the work of the blood of Jesus Christ does, is it cleanses. But if you don't have the blood of Christ to wash your life, washing away all of your sins, then you're going to be standing outside in the things that we needed to be washed from. And then it says, and I love this because he says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. He's giving some titles that are important to understand. I can't, don't have time to fully explain it in this regard. But he's saying, I'm giving you this testimony for the churches. What's he saying? He's saying, I, I am giving this really clear testimony of who I am. Churches don't ever, ever leave this. This is who I am. I am the Alpha and I am the Omega. I am the beginning, I am the end. I am the first, I am the last. I am the Lamb of God which takes away the sins of the world. Find your clothes, find your robes, find your life washed full preparation for that period on history. Church, we embody and pass on to every generation the great news of Jesus Christ as the Lamb, the great news of the fact that he is a returning king. And he says, I am the root and the offspring of David. He's saying, God set up the Davidic kingdom to be a kingdom that I will carry on. It was a kingdom of promise that through the line of David would come the Messiah. That's why Joseph and Mary. And it was through the line of David that the Messiah comes. And he's stating this here. I am the root and the offspring of David, the promise of the Messiah. I am the Savior. And then he says, and the bright morning star. 
The bright morning star is the idea of this brand new day. I'm the beginning of all things new. You will be a brand new creation, a brand new creature. You're not just an old thing redone. You are washed completely. You are a new creation in Christ. Then it continues. The spirit and the bride. That's really easy. The Holy Spirit and the bride is the church. The church. Church universal. Church unending. The spirit and the bride say, come. Come. What is our message? Come. Come to the Lord. Come to the Lamb. Why is revelation uh, in the Bible? It's there to reveal who this is. And it leaves us as the responsible ones with the message that say, come. And let him who hears say, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. This is the last chapter that you'll read in the canon of Scripture. That's you and I at the very end. Believer, because you've had your life washed by the blood of Jesus Christ, through humbling yourself and receiving the work of his cross on your behalf, you have a new creation and you are a new creature. You have a home in heaven. He is preparing that place even now. But one day he's going to return with the full revelation of who he is. That's what we have in this book. And then we come to the final chapter of this book and we find that we are also, we have that reaffirmed of our call in this world while our lungs breathe, while our minds function, while our hearts hear from God. We are here to say, come. And anybody that's going to hear that from us, if they are thirsty, let them come. Whoever wishes. Look at this open invitation. It's still open. It's grace, folks. We don't have the period yet. You know, we want Jesus' return, but we must understand what that means. That ends everything this way. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life, eternal life. It's free, never earned. And so our message to the world is, here's who Jesus is. If you're online and you're listening, I want to tell you, who, this is who Jesus is. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He is the period on all of history. He is the one that when he returns, there's going to be a great morning because they didn't hear that word come. They didn't have the ears to hear it. They didn't respond. They didn't come. They didn't come thirsty. Then whoever wishes, he's saying, anybody can come. Anybody, everybody, hear the call. Please, hear the call. This is the time. Uh, we still have the megaphone. This is a time that we still have the truth to give out. This is the time that our voices are needed in this planet. And then the final scripture Finishes off the whole deal. Revelation twenty two twenty. 20. 
He who testifies to these things says, this is Jesus talking again. Yes, I am coming soon. When the fullness of time, this is the other thing attached to the timing of the return of the Lord. What is the Lord doing in that meantime? You know, it, it just kills me when we reduce prophetic utterances of, that are in scripture down to some date matching. Oh my gosh, grow up. This is about who? This is about our response to that being this. Come, now invitation is still there. The time is still there. The moment is still there. The window is still there. The opportunity is still there. Come, because this Jesus is gonna put a period on history one day and he says it's going to be soon. And then the whole thing finishes off with a word. The word is Maranatha. Latin. Simply means this. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Church, out of this message, I hope that you receive something in your heart of the incredible time that we live in. A time of grace. One that was passed on and elongated so that you might come. That you can hear. I hope everybody in this room has heard that call. Has heard that voice calling. Say, come, it's a moment of grace. That's what Bethlehem, that's what, that's what the, the cross Golgotha is about. That's what an empty tomb is about. We've got this amazing message. It's a fantastic thing and it's all hinged on who it is, is based on. It's based on God Almighty, Jesus Christ, who is the one that is going to return again. And every eye's gonna see it, but not all will rejoice. In fact, many will not. They will mourn. Don't be a mourner at Christ's return because you somehow didn't take him up on this invitation of, of paying for your sins. And church, we hopefully will be in a place where you will be in a place of celebration at his return because you know you stayed, you endured till the end. You kept in the work of God, in the work of God in you, through you, into the world. You kept true to the message of your Lord and your Savior, Jesus. The steps that you took were to honor his name and respond to his call in the world. You're responding to it in your families and in your places of work and in your communities. Wherever you go to take this message with them what oh God loves you and he's calling you father open the ears open ears in my families Lord open ears Lord in those that I work with open ears in people that are our friends or our neighbors open the ears Lord of people around us that their inner ears can hear Lord the call and make us faithful servants of the message and the call that we have received God is good he loves you 
He has paid for your sins. Receive him because it's the only way to be clean and to be made right with God. You and I still carry on that message. One day when this is all wound up, the rewards will be given out. We will enter into the full-fledged eternity with the Lord and with each other, into the great eternal adventure that we were actually created for in the beginning. Will you have left the mark of the Lord upon those that right now they stand in this grace? Will your voice have echoed the life you lived? Will it have echoed in their heart? Will the stewardship of your gifts and who you are be that which illustrates on a daily basis this beautiful grace in Lord? Be a great steward. Take what he's given you. Go double it. And when he returns, he's going to say, well done. Good good and faithful servant enter in to the party Jesus the returning king one day this part is over either by death or the return of our Lord. You're writing a story. You're part of a story that's big. Write well. Let's stand together. Fathers, we bow our heads. I pray it would be just with a little bit more reverence for who Jesus is. This name that we pray in, this name that we live in, this name that we praise in, this name that we celebrate, this name which shepherds us, this name, Lord, may we, may we just have that little bit more revelation of the incredibleness of who he is. We thank you, Lord, that through what he did for us, we stand washed in the blood of the Lamb. Without one spot, not a shadow of a stain left. In fact, Lord, we will have that glowing righteousness of Christ as a robe that will be white as snow.
And we get it because of this incredible grace. For that, we are very grateful today. Father, we pray for our families. We pray for our friends, our neighbors, co-workers. We pray for our world. We pray for this city and this region. We pray, oh God, that your spirit will open the ears to hear the invitation, come. But I pray, Lord God, that as your spirit speaks that word, that we understand it's the spirit and the church. And we are the church. All of us that hold to your name, And may we make some decisions in us that upscale that. And they will quit wasting ward on the things that we can so get distracted in. And we'll move outside of the excuses. We'll move outside of just bad stewardship. And we're just going to get serious about our faith and our role in this whole big plan of God. So Father, I pray that with that fresh awareness, something just switches on brightly in us again. Blow on coals that have maybe long grown cold. Put a fire in our hearts again, Lord, for Maranatha. He's coming. Our voice matters, Lord. Our prayers matter. I pray, oh God, that once again, as fire is rekindled in our soul about this Jesus, this amazing Lord, our Savior, King, our Lamb. This is, God, more than we can even take in. But there would be something that burns bright in our hearts and, and, and puts fire into our tongues and, and, and into our minds, Lord. And as we go on this journey that we have left. So that, Lord, on the return, there will be no mourning in our hearts. It will be I put it all in. This morning, Christian, make that choice. I'm just going to put it all in. You'll find in that the greatest sense of freedom and peace. You'll find the exhilaration of being a part of God's voice into people all around you. If you're here today and you've never received Christ as your Savior, what a joy it is to have you on this day and you just got both barrels. But that's okay. It's true. Every bit of it's true. Your big question is, am I ready? And without Jesus, you're not. You will be a mourner. This is not where your life ends. You will stand before an almighty God. 
Don't do it alone. Do it with robes that have been washed, a life that has received mercy. Sins do not remain. Past, present, future, all gone. Not one hint of stain because of the blood of Christ on the cross. Payment for you that you have put your faith in and you trust. This is the only way to be right with God. You need to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior so that when he returns as full-on king and that period is put on history, you are prepared for his reign. Just in your heart, make a little plea to him that sounds something like this. Jesus, I receive you as my savior. I ask that you will forgive me and that the blood that you shed for me will wash me from every stain of sin so that I will glow white before you and that there is nothing that can ever change that work of Christ. I accept your mercy. I accept the Son, Jesus. He is accepted as my Savior and my Lord. And now I want to be a part of the Spirit and the church and its part in this world today. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our program. If you find this broadcast to be helpful, please let us know. You can call us at 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com.